0: Welcome back, MeSuite listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The MeSuite podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C Suites lead the companies we most admire. The C Suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, Is everything running smoothly in our day-to-day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. This episode is brought to you by Social Distancing. Today, we are addressing MeSuite listener questions. We have received many around the theme of career resilience, bouncing back, moving forward after disappointing news. And this topic was of interest prior to COVID-19 and has grown in frequency since COVID-19 as people face a challenging job market, whether you're a summer intern or a senior executive. So to help address the listener questions, I have with me today people expert, Amy Easton. Amy completed her graduate studies in psychology in Australia and is a certified Strengths Finders coach. Amy is someone I go to for advice and to test ideas. So I thought, well, why don't I just have her on this with me and we will record it. So here we are. Welcome, Amy Easton. Hi, Donna. How are you going? So the first listener question we've had is, how can people be resilient when things don't go as planned?
1: Oh, I think this is uh, particularly prevalent at the moment. So, mm-hmm. COVID—I was one of the many affected by uh, COVID, and my job prospects changed. So, I lost a, a really exciting contract that I had going. And I think the key thing for this for me is always that Plan B. It's mm. that pivoting. You know, you you get a situation you're not expecting. You had a plan. You know, whether it was a conscious or a subconscious thing, you had a plan in place for how that was going to work. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have that shift particularly when it comes to your career you need to just take that attitude of okay i've just got to pivot and what am i pivoting to you know was the contract about a passion or the job about a something that it was you know a test job was it something i really wanted to do you know why were you doing it and then what else can you do from that and i think i uh, that's where i call it i've just taken a pivot and pivoted my plans and mm-hmm. you know i'm trying something new you know, it can be further study or things like that.
0: Did you find it was a moment of surprise? Had you had a Plan B in the back pocket, or you had to get the Plan B once you had the surprise?
1: I think there are different uh, different times in my life where I haven't had the Plan B, and mm-hmm. probably in my twenties a bit more. I didn't have the Plan B, and now I've learned to always have one. It was a relatively easy pivot this time around, but there have certainly been some more challenging ones. You know, I was working for somebody that was bankrupt once and things like that. So when Mm. those things happen, I think sometimes it can take a little while to pivot. So you gotta, you know, treat yourself with a lot of self-compassion and work it out, use your network, talk Mm. to someone like you, you know, mentors, coaches, they're really helpful coming up with that pivot. But this time around, I was lucky I had it somewhat prepared.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that you gave examples of both. And maybe a theme here is always have a plan B. But if you don't, let it soak in use your network, and practice self-compassion.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have learned in my brain-based coaching that every one-fifth of a second, the brain scans for threats. Mm -hmm. And that there are five times more neural circuits dedicated to threat detection in the brain than to any other response. That's amazing. That's
1: amazing. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So our brains are wired to over-index on the bad. Yep on the yeah. negative. So it can only be natural for our initial response to be in a negative place. The key is how you are bouncing back and demonstrating resilience by using your networks, using your uh, mentors and practicing the self-compassion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's an amazing book uh, called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris that, that talks a little bit about this, ways of coping with that. Awesome. What's the last name, Harris? Yeah, Harris. Yeah, nice. Russ
0: Harris. You're always good for a book recommendation. Yeah, I love them.
1: Probably too many.
0: (laughs) No such thing. What uh, listener question do you have? You want to take the next one?
1: I've actually got this one, which I'm looking forward to hearing your answer. So should I take a role that I don't want right now or Mm. wait for a role that I want? Mm.
0: If the job you have on the table right now is not aligned with your ethics and sense of safety, obviously the answer would be no walk away from that. <laughs> mm. But assuming that the the offer that you have right now um, is not in violation of your ethics or your personal safety, I then think you have to go to the fundamentals uh, that are foundational in the M-suite, even, which is is the role grounded in your core values. I do believe there is no such thing as a perfect role. They do not exist. Yeah. So... Take the mindset that would be the most valuable here if you do have a bird in the hand and you're not sure if you should take it because it isn't perfect. The questions to ask ourselves is, is there something about that role that will help me get to my plan? So let me give an example. You don't like the role, however, it will give you job security for a short period of time because you need the pay and the health benefits. I'm making this up. It might be it isn't your desired role, but it will get you some exposure to keep your skills fresh in the market while you're looking for the other thing. It might not be the role you really want, but it is not a bad commute or you're working from home, which means it frees you up for an hour every morning to work on finding the role that you do want. (laughs) Yeah. I I think everybody's situation, of course, is going to be different. But I find that for people that are wanting to stay active in the workforce to keep their their skills fresh, to continue to get pay of some kind, to uh, continue to build their network, it's almost always a good thing to take the role that you do have right now, as long as you are freeing up space to work on yourself and have this undercurrent where you're continuing to actively pursue what you really want to be doing.
1: Does that does that tie a little bit into this idea of a plan? Or would you recommend that people, you know, if they're going to take something for one of those reasons, that they have an idea of what it is that they're going to get out of it at the end? So Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in that personal plan, that undercurrent that's your personal plan, you might be thinking... What are the skills that I think I can gain in this particular role while I'm here? Maybe I'm going to get exposure to artificial intelligence or data science while I'm here. Or maybe it actually is in an industry that you do like, but it's not a function that you wanted to work in. And so Mm. all that networking in that current role will help expand your network in the industry that you wanted to be in. So I really always, maybe to a fault, have a glass half full mindset about these types of questions. Because I really do believe that you make of it what you will. Yeah. You nurture the network if you've got a mindset to nurturing your network. You have a continuous learning mindset if you have a continuous learning mindset. So I really think that there's a glass half full to any of this, especially if people are feeling a little pressured and concerned that the job market is wacko, I probably do need to go ahead and take this role right now because of mm-hmm. the financial benefits and the actual health benefits, depending on what country you're in. That, and that security is important for, for many, many people. But that doesn't mean you're giving up on your goals. It doesn't mean you have sacrificed your dream job and, and find a way to carve out special time to nurture your goal while you're doing this other thing that is keeping the lights on.
1: Oh, I love that. Nurturing your goal. Oh, okay. I lo- yeah,
0: I love that Good. sentence. <laughs> so let me look at my other list of questions here. Let me lob one at you. How has a role that you weren't right for gotten you to where you want to be?
1: I genuinely believe that everything in life, nothing is wasted. Everything becomes useful at some point. Mm. Whether you just learn a lesson, whether you, you know, in a lesson by that, I mean just something that changes the way that you think. So you don't don't repeat something that wasn't helpful to you previously. Mm-hmm. or Uh, whether you actually learn a tangible skill that you can take somewhere else. Uh, I'll give you a a, a quite a good example. So I, my career, I left my psychology studies in my mid twenties and went into consulting. So I was consulting for a while. And in my consulting career, of course, I learned a lot of skills around business and how that works and how to operate you know, your own and other people's. Mm-hmm. And I also learned how psychology ties into organizations. And then I, when I went off and, you know, did this last thesis and next bit of study, uh, what has become apparent if for some people who are practicing career psychologists is that the business side is harder to learn. Mm. So when I think about this pivot that I discussed a little bit earlier, and I think about where my career is heading now, I already have a whole bunch of skill sets where I could have the attitude of, well, this is wasted because things have changed. Yeah. Or I can go, actually, you know, the last half a decade plus of my life has been leading to a, a path I didn't even know was coming. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those roles have all taught various skills or capabilities that I know I'll, I'll use, even if the next career jump or path is completely different. And so I think when people go into that, it's a case of remembering, you know, what is it that I'm, what can I learn in this situation? Mm-hmm. So what can I learn and what skill am I going to develop? Again, whether it's interpersonal or whether it's, you know, something that's just for you, just in your mindset, or whether it's with other people um, or a tangible, you know, technology skill, a skill or something.
0: Yeah, I do really like this answer. It, it's learning and open-mindedness. I remember when my husband got out of college, it was a terrible economy at that time, also, and he couldn't find a job. And he was fluent in Spanish and he took a job for no pay. So call it volunteer, I guess. Mm. He took uh, a role for no pay at a United Way agency as a translator uh, in court. So for the lawyers who couldn't speak Spanish and the clients who couldn't speak English, he did translation in the courtroom. Uh, for this United Way agency. And that must have gone on for eight or 12 months or so as unpaid work. But it just turned out that the CEO of Coca-Cola was on the board of this particular United Way agency And then through that volunteer work, right, you network and you meet these other people that start to open up other skills. So I also think that there's a component to this of uh, really making the most of the situation. It may not be the role Mm. that you wanted, but you're using a skill and keeping it fresh. And you are using every interaction with a person to build that network and let people know what you can do, what you want to do, and, and have patience and doors will open.
1: I think that's a particularly you know, relevant point too, especially if you're starting in your career during all of this. Mm-hmm. But also, as a result of whatever's happening in the world right now, there are going to be careers and things that start that we're not even imagining yet. So yeah. there's opportunity right now for people that aren't 100% sure about what it is that they want to do. They kind of know they sort of like this industry. They might like this career path. They, you know, they think they want a role doing whatever it is but they don't 100% know how to define it. And I think defining a career these days is really difficult. I mean, you know, I'm mid-30s and I've probably had already four. So, you know, it's a, it's a case where I think this is... I love what you were saying because I think if anyone that, you know, anyone that has sort of um, early adult children or that is an early adult themselves that's going, how do I start a career in this? That networking and that piece of learning becomes so important because... There really is no limits to your imagination about what you could turn into something uh, after this.
0: Yeah. I jokingly call uh, the me sweet Donna 5.0. Oh, I so love I'm on I'm on 5.0 myself.
1: <laughs> they say four or five careers in a lifetime. Sure, this why not? Like, you know, hit big yeah, not, time. None of which
0: I could have envisioned, right? In, you know, 10 no, years ago either. or whatever. Yeah. I think we have time for one last question.
1: Okay. I know that you're doing lots of coaching with people at the moment. And I was wondering what kind of tools or frameworks you're using that help people with this mindset idea. So help them work on their beliefs and limiting beliefs and things like that.
0: Yeah. So let let me start first. I love this this, uh, concept of self-limiting beliefs. I see it so, so much in my practice. And it's the concept of we often are viewing a situation and thinking that certain things aren't possible. But when you start asking questions of, well, why do you believe that that is so? Or what is the data that backs up that that statement you just made? You start to realize they're actually self-limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. that are based more on a... You're stuck. Your mindset is just stuck on what is truly possible. And I usually like to address those self-limiting stagnation beliefs by asking a couple of questions. So it's not really a framework. They're more questions like, uh, if you did pursue that thing, what's the worst that could happen if it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to? The other one is, you believe a situation is a certain way. What evidence do you have that that is true? And how do others in that situation see the same situation? So those are my three favorite questions when you're really trying to help a person get unstuck, uh, when when they feel a little, when the the motivation isn't there or that they feel that they have lost momentum going after a job pursuit. And I do have one model that's my favorite. So your question was, do I have a model? I do have a framework that I do really like from David Rock. Um, Mm -hmm. He is a uh, psychologist in the field. Lots of people know him, go read his stuff. It's fabulous, neuroscience of leadership, et cetera. From about 2008, David Rock um, invented or coined the SCARF model. So SCARF, like the thing you tie around your neck. And it's an acronym for the different elements of the human social experience. Things that generate either a sense of threat in us or a sense of reward in us. And SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. So if you find that you're really stuck or extremely negative about something, you're struggling with a particular person or a situation or some sort of a fear, it could be really helpful to go look at the different components of the SCARF model to try to uncover what is this social experience that I'm having right now that is causing me to be responding from a, a position of deficit. Oh, and wow. fairness is a really obvious one to give an example. Um, if you feel in a situation that you are not being treated fairly, it might be you didn't make that promotion. Or why were you the one selected for the, for the job cut? Uh, it might be that you aren't getting invited to particular meetings that you thought you should be invited to. That whole sense of fairness can really cause a downward spiral if you don't name it and then figure out why am I having this sensation in my social experiences? And then once you name it, you can decide, do you want to do anything about it in your current work environment or do you not? And if you don't want to do anything about it, you either have to stick with it and suffer through it or go look for a different job. So that, that, those are my, my favorite ones. They're kind of simple and direct.
1: I love those. I'm going to give you another call to work with me on that. There you go. <laughs>
0: And I didn't, I didn't think too, you, you and I are from the same religion on this, that I think it's so important at this time to remain positive and open because that attitude is very palpable to other people, whether you're networking or reaching out and asking for help or just even doing an informational interview in your job search, trying to find what about this situation does excite you? What can you be positive about? I'm not asking anybody to fake it. But find out what you can get energized by because that sensation is very palpable. And if you truly find there is nothing about this situation that I can get excited about, then stop wasting your time. Don't take the call. Yeah. Don't do the interview. They're going to smell it anyway. And you're going to be dead on arrival. And I would just just move on.
1: I think too on your your limiting beliefs, right? Is if you find yourself not excited because you're thinking... I'm not going to get it anyway. I haven't got enough experience. Mm-hmm. They don't, All those kinds of limiting beliefs that you do not know what the interviewer or the other oh. person is actually thinking, then check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Go and, and sit there and say, am I not excited because I'm causing myself to not be excited? Yeah. Or am I not excited because I'm legitimately, there's nothing I can be excited about, which means this is not on my passion path. Yeah. And you're 100% correct. I agree with you. It, it's about really... You know, we make that choice every day to take that attitude and go, okay, how do I face into whatever challenge is being put before me? And, and how do I make the most of the situation?
0: Yeah, I love that example. And thanks for bringing it back to self-limiting beliefs because I think that's really at the core of so much. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out to the listeners and you can too, Amy. My shout out is be deliberate about what you want and go after it with positivity and passion. And I hope whatever it is you want, you get it.
1: You make the choice in the first thing in the morning about how you're going to tackle the day. So you cannot predict what's going to happen necessarily, but you can choose how you're going to respond to it. So I think choose learning, choose the mindset that works for you and grab life with both hands and just go for it.
0: Let's end on goosebumps. Thank you, Amy (laughs) Easton. Thank you, Donna. This was great. Thank you for joining us in The Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at TheMeSuite.com. That's V-Me-Suite.com. Suite Suite like Executive Suite. That's V-Me-Suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.